video shows giant gorilla lizard climbing up window of Florida home. Oh, my word, that thing is huge. Jeez, <laughs> old Pete. Sorry, I was reading the headline and got, wow, that thing is massive. Wow. I just shoot it. What kind of lizard? This is a Godzilla lizard. Yes. First of all, if you name your if you name your lizard, lizard Godzilla, Godzilla. Just shoot it before it gets out of hand. Yeah, before it takes out Tokyo. You're listening to The Dumb Will Speak, a podcast in which we seek to honor the truth of God as revealed in His Word. Hello everyone and welcome again to another episode of The Dumb Will Speak. I'm Roy. I'm Jalen. And we want to thank you all for being patient with us and listening every time. Um, (laughs) I had uh, today... One of our listeners commented on the fact that he was listening to the most recent episode, I guess, last week at work, and he said, at the beginning, we stated that this was going to be a short episode recorded on a Sunday afternoon. It was going to be about one subject and be a short episode, and he said, an hour and a half later, <laughs> typical long-winded. Yeah, today, today really does have to be short. I have homework. <laughs> that's right. That's right. In, in uh, systematic theology. Yep. Yeah, I'm almost done with this course, and... Almost done with the degree. I've got how many courses do you have? Left, I think I'm, I'm wrapping it up. What are the ones left? I think two. I'm wrapping up. Systematic theology two. No, I got three. Systematic theology two, Old Testament, um, and elective. I don't know what I'm going to do there. You don't know probably yet. expository preaching. Oh, that'd be good. Um, probably um, or you know. So I know this this the week has been kind to you. eBay has been kind to you this week, and you've picked up a lot of books, haven't you? This is always uh, our, what are you reading, part <laughs> segment of the show. <laughs> this, I know what you're actually is, reading. Uh, you're actually yeah, reading no, coursework, but I know that. What, what I'm reading right now, actually the one I've been reading a lot of is, um, well, kind of all of them. I'm writing a big paper, several several page paper, Inspiration, Authority of Scripture. There's B.B. Warfield, Inspiration. Oh, yeah. That was one, I, but I've got numerous... That looked like articles. a new copy. Did that you have to get takes, that for your class? That, that one, yeah, that one will take a big quiet play in it. Uh, that's Calvin's Institute. That one will take a big. That one will have a big play in it. Okay, lectures and systematics. That one will have a huge play in it. Lorraine Beltner. Yeah, and then this one is not going to have a play in it. Sorry, sorry. That was sorry. Baker's Dictionary of Biblical Text. book. <laughs> and then Hermeneutical Spiral. Well, now who does that play? Grant Osborne. It's it's probably oh, Grant if you're a pastor and yeah, if you're a pastor and not have this book, shame on you. Osborne wrote an interesting. Uh, did, uh, I mean, he did a uh, he. Which one did he write Revelations uh, commentary for? Uh, was that it? Wasn't Word. Oh, Baker. It was Baker. Okay, no, Baker. Baker exegetical, right? Baker. Yeah, I thought. No, I don't have it. I have all of them, but is he living still or deceased? And it's really- yeah, he's he's not very old, I don't think, is he? Well, I didn't think so. I've seen well, pictures of him on the internet. I've, I've watched a few videos. Computers. Yeah, you can pretty much find out anything, can't you? A wonderful day of computers. Well, uh, you you uh, just keep talking. I'll keep looking. Grant, well, uh, PhD from University of Aberdeen. Oh, uh, gives everything but his age. No, he is a uh, no. Here's the thing: it says remembering Grant Osborne. Oh, uh, something told me that he had passed, passed away recently. I may have missed that. Honestly, well, showing I did, I, I, well, no, I missed. Showing how the more things change, the more they stay the same. Can you see what that says? On camera. Can you see what it says? Oh yeah, last apocalypse. Yes, well, it's about one thousand A.D., well, not two thousand A.D. And it's basically kind of how Europe lost its mind around that time, thinking the end was near and Jesus was coming, and and all that. You know, that was basically the height of Christendom, medieval church. And so they definitely believed in a real second coming, but they became very, very, very apocalyptic at that time. They thought 1000 AD was the year. And somewhat, almost uh, 1,025 years later at this point, uh, 
we've still we're still waiting. Uh, I just think it's interesting this last apocalypse. Um, and uh, 1999, remember that was the end of the world. Yeah, because uh, Y2K was going to wipe us all out. Also, our founding fathers loved this man, John Locke, the two treatises on government. I actually had this years ago in a college class and had to read it, and I, re- I remember it well. It's very dry. But I, I found this, and uh, this is one of those bag sales where a library was just giving away a bunch of books. All you could stuff in a bag for $2, and I stuffed several in there. And one of them was this. This is a classic. John MacArthur. Sorry, I hit the microphone. John MacArthur, Our Sufficiency in Christ from the 1990s. It's an original hardcover, man. This is a first printing. This is old. Look at that cheesy color on the on the wrap around kind of a oh he is a he has a bunch of them he went through a thing like that because you talk about same cheesy color look same color different book yes oh my goodness it's almost the same isn't it oh yeah it's that 90s stuff man they discovered that's uh, that reckless faith it's that reckless faith book he come out uh i don't remember the printing on reckless faith i've had this for a while uh it is a good book probably if you want to understand culture and kind of how things going how faith has went off the rails kind of what we talked about today this has got uh, a similar vein because this is about how the church loses its mind over three things it's you know not having your sufficiency in christ instead you look for external things and one of them is uh, the three things that will it's the three deadly influences that undermine your spiritual life psychology pragmatism boy we preached a lot about pragmatism the first year or so of this of this podcast and mysticism and we've knocked on mysticism a few times as well (laughs) Well, you listen to the to the chapter titles in this book, and it is. Uh, no, I just had them. I was looking for the copyright page. Uh, this book was ninety four. It's the war against reason, the rise of reckless faith, the biblical formulation for discernment. What are the fundamentals of Christianity? Evangelicals and the Catholics together. Remember that's him. Oh that yeah. Him and Sproul were on that yeah. panel together. That's where Sproul got on the table, you know, and kind of. I just. I'd like to have seen this that. Is so wrong. What I'm. A, this is. I just picture the scene from Elf, and I'm just going to leave that right there. Those of you that get that, he's an angry elf until it hurts, uh, and looking for the truth in all the wrong places. That's, oh wow! Oh, what was that? That wasn't Mickey Gilly. Who was that? Johnny Lee. Who was Mickey Gilly's yeah. protege? Is from the Urban Cowboy soundtrack. Looking for love. Ugh, I know my pop culture. So, but well, this this book this book was I about a year. This book was only about a year and a half before yours. This came out in early 93. Yeah. So he was, was putting out about one a year back in those days, wasn't he? Yeah, I started to say, that's the time where he was really pumping out. Uh, he was really pumping out the books then. Now, I haven't started reading any of those books, but this one I have started reading, and I've been reading it aloud to my wife last weekend and this weekend for a laugh. It's Which President Killed a Man? <laughs> It's uh, Tantalizing Trivia and Fun Facts About Our Chief Executives and First Ladies by James Humes. This book is crazy. I love it. There's some just, just some weird stuff in here, man. Things you may or may not know about various presidents. And, like, uh, I'll just... There was one yesterday that I read. Where was it? It was great. Um, it was about Winston Churchill. And... Um, what he thought of various, um, so anyway, I couldn't find the place, but it was about, um, the fact that Churchill had met, golly, it was like 12 presidents during his lifetime, starting in the 1800s and ending in the, in the early 1960s. Can you believe that? In 1961, he met Kennedy. It's still mind-boggling. 1961, he met Kennedy. It's like, you know, all the talk recently about, well, since we've recorded last, uh, Queen Elizabeth II passed away couple weeks ago and well just not right after we were not long after we recorded a few days later and you know that was over 70 years the longest uh, uh, british monarch ever and i think the second longest in european history so it's kind of interesting i don't think very highly of her son but that's neither here nor there uh, the the fact that she her first prime minister in under her reign was winston churchill and her father and winston yeah. churchill were close friends and so when Churchill, and I think it was Al Mohler talked about this this week on um, the briefing, when when Churchill died, she gave him a, maybe it wasn't him, I don't remember who it was, talked about it. I think it was Al Mohler, that she gave him a state funeral, same kind of funeral she had. That's, that's for a commoner, that's not allowed. It's usually only for heads of state, and in European countries that have monarchies, whether constitutional or otherwise, 
it's the it's the monarch who's the head of state. And so it was weird to give a normal, you know, he was an aristocrat, but he was not high blue blood. He wasn't a high nobility. So to give him that uh, honor was was unheard of. But she did it. And many people think she did a lot of it. She did out of respect for her own father and his relationship to Churchill. She did say when asked about well, this is unprecedented. She said, yeah, he did save the Western civilization by by bringing us all in the attack against Hitler. And then, of course, Hitler attacked Europe and he attacked Britain and just bombarded them and and you know it was that was a mess for 1940 and 41 but they survived it by the grace of God we and with, were, with our help we were talking about Grant Osborne I actually missed this I don't know how I did I had him cross with somebody else uh died in 2018 and one thing that I had forgotten and I remember this he was very Armenian a classical Armenian and also believed in the apostasy of a genuine believer I forgot about those two terms. Okay. Okay. I forgot about those two things with him. I, I, there was two things and I knew he was, um, he acts and something else. He was the general translator for the NLT, but he was buddies with Carson, Moo, all those guys. But yeah, he was a classical Armenian. Huh. That's interesting. So we called this meeting to order to talk about something that I think is kind of important right now in this time of unrest and uncivility, you know, towards each other. Uh, This is not about what's going on in the world as far as United States politics. This is not about what's going on in the world as far as, you know, heathens being heathens and persecuting the church. That's not what this is about. The episode today is about unity in the body of Christ or the lack thereof. And what, if anything, we are to do about that. Um, Shailen, the reason this was the subject that I wanted us to talk about, and we won't, and we, like you said, we will not spend a lot of time on it, but it's just something to, to think about. We're going through a time period where, and I'm speaking to people who are like, for instance, reformed people, okay? You want to call them Calvinists, go right ahead, whatever you want to call them, but it's a very, that's a very limiting view of what I'm talking about here. But amongst, for instance, the reformed Baptists, you have, um, and some of those people are in the Southern Baptist Convention, and some of them are not. Some of them are other associations. Some of them are with the, uh, the that loose evangelical Reformed Church. There's different denominations with which some of those these guys are affiliated. But what what's what's really been getting me is, as you know, I'm a pretty solid listener to James White. I'm I am three episodes behind right now, but that's just no big deal. I can get caught up on that. But he has been going through this for months, starting early this year, of people from his own camp, Reformed Baptists, just knocking him down over something that we've already mentioned on this program, so we won't spend a whole lot of time on it. But this idea of, we've talked about before, epistemology, the source of knowledge, all right, the origin of knowledge, and what is what is truth? Where does it come from? If your source, of, if your source for knowledge is your own being, if you're taking the Rene Descartes approach, I think, therefore I am, then you are your own harbinger, your own barometer, I should say, of the measure of what is truth. That's also postmodernism today, with woke ideology, with intersectionality, with critical race theory, critical legal theory, and all that, and we've also discussed this in a past program, but it just won't go away, so we're still having to talk about this a year later. The thing is, is that the idea is that you have your own truth because truth is relative and it's relative to you. Now, either we have an external source of truth or we have an internal source of truth. People today are living by their internal source of truth. I am my own truth, right? I determine what I think is right and wrong. And you've heard this said before, stand in your truth. That's hogwash. Because if you stand in your truth, and my truth is I want to murder people because frankly I think that's what I think I should do. I feel called to be an avenging angel. I'm just going to go out and murder people. Is that not Call it like it is now. What about the killing the babies? Okay, yeah, abortion. I just want to have abortion up to the day it's conceived, from the day it's conceived to the day it's born and and maybe even after it's born because I may I may determine that that's an it, not a he or a she and I don't want that baby because it's a baby. So human life becomes devalued, but but if I were to say to you, I want to just go murder people, well, you'd have me locked up. And if I did kill someone, I'd be locked up for possibly the rest of my life. 
But I could just argue that I'm just walking in my truth, man. I'm standing in my own truth. Sure. If we are the internal source of truth, thankfully, we are not. We do have an external source of truth. It's God, as revealed in Scripture. We, we, we open our program with, Welcome to the Dumb Will Speak, a podcast in which we seek to honor the truth of God as is revealed in His Word. There's, that's Remember the funny story behind that? <laughs> You put that as our okay. you put you put it as the masthead seeking the truth of God as revealed in His Word. You made it the masthead for our website when you when you designed the website. And I wrote it one day off cuff. Yes, fooling with the internet with the website, which we need to get back on and really redo again. But I or not redo, but reshape. Yeah, redo, yeah. I guess. But I was sitting there doing this website, and I just off the cuff. This is what pops up. And then in the next episode, you, we do the recording and you do the voiceover, you know, yeah. seeking to reveal the truth of God is revealed in his word. And we, we mute it. And I go, that's pretty good. Where'd you get that up from? You wrote it. <laughs> oh, I did. Yeah, you oh, did. That's funny. Because, you know, the first episode we did, the pilot, we didn't have an intro. And we didn't have an intro for a couple episodes. And then when Colin did that music, I thought it would be appropriate to do a spoken intro over the music. We- we also went out and bought all this nice equipment, and for the first five episodes, we were recording on a two dollar mic with it. We kept blaring ourselves to where you couldn't hear it in the headphones. And my my ears, I would hurt. But I'd I, have a headache at the end of every recording. And I still do this. It would be like, "Hello, welcome, done to speak. I'm Roy." And it would be like we were yelling, <laughs> and it's because the mic's pointed away from me. I'm on the other end of the room because it's coming off the keyboard. It's the, it's the microphone up next to the keyboard, and that was all. And it was trying to so pick you, up the whole room. So you would go, "Hey, what do you think about topic?" Well, you know what I think is, and I'm just muffled way away from the mic. Oh. I wish there was a way to go back and uh, fix them. You know, we did do some sound editing, and it worked a little, but it didn't. It didn't do. It didn't. It didn't fix it because then you had well, a lot of background noise and such. Then the best one was when Pastor Tom was on, and that was the first episode that we were like, "Hey, if we click that button, then it records our mic." Then we didn't know how to set them, so then you had to tune everything down because yes, we were just because we out. we started we started to record, and uh, he didn't have earphones on, so he was fine. But all of a sudden. I said, welcome to the Dumbbell Speak. You're like, oh, no. And you pulled your, you ripped your earphones <laughs> off because you were like, Roy, that's too loud. I'm like, yeah, I know it hurts. <laughs> I'm like, what just happened? Uh, uh, anyway, we're off totally <laughs> subject like we normally me- do. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, uh, the, the, <laughs> no, the point was that you're dealing with, with two sources of authority. That's the epistemology. And your epistemology is going to be internal or external, external when it comes to truth. The external source is what? It's God. It's a person. It's it's a, it's a deity. It's the creator of all life. So he gets to decide what is and is not truth. Not us. If he's revealed it in his scriptures and we understand that as, as believers, okay, and I'm speaking to believers today. This is not for lost people or just okay. politically conservative people who might have accidentally found our, our, our podcast. It's not that. Go ahead. Random thought. Yeah. And I totally lost it, so keep going. Oh. If our, if That's we, how the random thoughts happen. If we you know. say that, that Scripture is of inspiration of, of God, right? That's what makes it Scripture. It's fact. Okay, go. It's fact. Do we need anything else other than his revealed word? Because the, mot- the motif today is you get revelation, I get revelation, but you and I say that the only revelation we need is what is truly revealed in his word. Right. But okay. today, for some reason, now we've took this of, well, I need special revelation, or I've got a direct word. And, and traditionally, amongst Reformed people, right, they've put a higher emphasis on Scripture and its nature, right? The infallibility, Absolutely. the inerrancy of Scripture, and all of that, right? The inspiration of Scripture. Baptists tend to be tend to think of themselves as people of the book, much as the Jews did, right? So if Baptists think yeah. that all we stand on is the holy, inspired, inerrant, infallible Word of God, then why are we allowing this argument to occur today that, but you can't get a good doctrine of the Trinity or you can't get an understanding of God and his attributes unless you understand Thomas Aquinas. And yeah, I know I we... Thomism has... Why? Has, has, I'm at a Southern Baptist university. We're going to limit it. I'm reading right now and it's Thomas, Thomas, Thomas. And I'm going, okay, 
when we deal with the doctrine of the Trinity, when you read a systematic theology book, if you're dealing with Thomas Aquinas, I'm I'm good with that because he he did handle things. But he is not our end all be all. He does not take place over Scripture. Well, I like how James White puts it. I've read far more of Tom than I actually wanted to. Far more of Thomas Aquinas than I wanted to. But he said, what I have read, I can say, where I can find agreement on him, I can find it much better and much easier to read amongst other scholars since him. The point is, we don't use Thomas to talk about our, as Baptists, we wouldn't use him to discuss baptism, would we? Since he was... Well, no, he's he was, Catholic. Yeah, he was NATO Baptist. He believed that it needed to be, it was part of your salvation. It was part and parcel to salvation. No, he, he, it was the it was the beginner of salvation. Absolutely, he's the doctor. He's the great divine doctor of the church. He's actually recognized, canonized, Saint Thomas Aquinas. So, are you going to let him teach on the doctrine of the Lord's Supper? Shouldn't. So what? But, but, but okay. So this was where the disunity comes in. They're they're criticizing people, such as John Frame, James White, Jeff Durbin. The list could go on and on. I'm just, those are three or four names I just threw Anybody out there. Anybody that it, any, John MacArthur is not going to ascribe to no Thomas Aquinas like these guys. He's going to be in the same camp as everybody else. Well, they're going to say of these people, "Well, you're a biblicist," as if that's a nasty word. You you call me a biblicist? Saddle me, Saddle me with that. Yeah, go ahead and throw that onus on me because I'm okay with it. The fact is, they're saying if you're a biblicist, then you are like narrowed down to certain things within that text, and, and that's it. That's It's the text only. It's the text only. So what? Everything we need, Actually, right? I am that way. Yes, because everything we need for faith. Only text only text. I don't need anything else. Right. I need no external source of authority. But they are like criticizing and almost anathematizing people like him. And um, it's it's scary. It's a shame. Because here's the thing. On 99.5% of all things... Amongst those that group of people that are called Reformed Baptists, they would agree, but they're writing yeah, him off. But they're away. calling him and no longer even a true Reformed Baptist. They're calling him all kinds of things. And I'm not here to apologize for James White. He don't need my he don't need my help in taking up for him. But it's just it's getting sickening to hear some of these people and the way they talk, and it's so juvenile. I agree. It, 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 he's being absolutely just beat up and ostracized by these by these gentlemen. And he's being far nicer about it than I think I would be. You know, it goes back to oh, something. We can use him as an example. And when he does Radio Free Geneva episodes, there's a montage of, of clips from debates and things. There's the one with, is it Leighton Flowers? Yes. Where James is that says... the same hermeneutic? He said, is that the same hermeneutic that you use that you would use to defend the, defini- the divinity of Christ? Uh, no. Well, then why are you using it? Why are you criticizing me for staying in Scripture? And because they disagree on the idea of uh, predestination and of God's foreknowledge. Because Flowers is almost, he's borderline open theist. He also teaches at a Southern Oral. Baptist, well, he basically is. And he teaches at a Southern Baptist uh, seminary, does he not? Uh, yeah, yes, I think. Is he, it technically Southern Baptist? Is it Southeastern? Not- I keep wanting to say Southeastern is what I keep wanting to say, but I was hesitant because I don't want to yeah, say that he is and he isn't. Yeah, it's not like I'm trying to, you know, misappropriate anything about him. You know, we don't want to be accused of that, of misgendering or any of those other things. He's not transsexual. That's not the issue. What I'm just saying is, you know, it's like anymore if you accidentally say something wrong, you'll be, you'll be called, uh, you know, a heretic for that too. Uh, I will say this. Pastor Tom today... His sermon out of Second Peter chapter two was it not on the nose? Oh, it was great. It's what you and I've talked about many times. What Pastor Tom and I've talked about. And I leaned over to Sandy, my wife, and I said, "This is a great message, and it's for everybody. But it's also for everybody sitting here, anyone who might be watching on YouTube or on the website or anything else, who may just be one of those people that sort of haphazardly says they're a Christian, but hasn't thought about it." And they're also turning around and watching, giving their money to Kenneth Copeland and Joel Osteen and these others. And those two people uh, he called out by name. But there were others. Uh, plenty more, he said. If they could Jesse Duplantis. Yes. Yes. I think he mentioned Creflo Dollar. And when, when he did Creflo. that, I said, I said, well, Sandy, his name says it all. Dollar. <laughs> that's what's on his mind. his real name or he changed it. You know, I don't know that. I don't know that. Uh, I don't either. 
but um but these people man come on um so false prophets you know creeping in unawares i'm not calling these people who have sort of slipped into this fad of celebrating Thomism as these i'm not accusing them of being the same type of people as the health and wealth spreaders because they're not no we're not saying that we're saying they need to stop they need to stop biting other people's ears off and condemning other people because because those people have never changed their opinion about Thomas Okay, so James White's been, if nothing else, James White's been eerily consistent throughout the years on his views of the Trinity. I happen to have his book, The Forgotten Trinity, and he's very consistent on Trinitarianism. And the irony of it was that one of the people that criticized him harshly is a person that read the book when it came out. And not only that, was a former student of James White's. And he said in one of his posts, I once used to think highly of James White, and I just really can't have no respect for him anymore uh, because he, he doesn't understand why it's important to to embrace those that came before us in the great tradition. Now, the great tradition is a Catholic term, Roman Catholic, by the way, Roman Catholic Church (RCC). It's a it's a it's a Roman Catholic term. The the idea of the that's a, the, the 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 spirit of the great tradition. There's no great tradition that binds our conscience. There's no tradition that binds our conscience, according to Paul. And don't let anyone bind your conscience to that. He said, basically, look, he's living, he's talking about in a time when when people were saying, well, you know, I should never eat, eat meat sacrificed to idols. And his view was, and he was speaking to Gentiles who had been, been born again in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians. And he's like, you can, but if it's going to cause you, if you're going to feel guilty over it, then don't. And if you're around someone who will be offended by it, don't. You know, I can do those things and have free conscience because I know those demons are not real beyond the power that we invite them to have. Those idols that they sacrificed to were made of wood and stone. They're nothing. There's only one God. But I just, I find this abrasiveness amongst Christians who are very deeply, they really are genuinely conservative, but they're now, but they're dragging in outside sources and they don't realize how, I don't know that they don't realize. They, I think maybe they, they should realize, but they don't. I want to say they don't realize. I want to give them grace and say they don't realize. How dangerous that slide is. I don't know if they don't realize or they don't. Um, I, I don't know which. I, I, I'm, I'm scared to ask. Ah, uh, yeah. So you broke up a little then, your your internet connection, but I think you said you don't know if it's that they, they don't know or that they just don't care. Am I right? Yeah, I don't know whether they, they just do not care or they just do not know. Yeah. E- and both of them are equally as dangerous in my opinion. Now on getting off of the getting off the people who are who are old enough to know better and 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 shouldn't be doing that like those guys the Reformed Baptists. Now I'll talk about another side, the left and right divide that occurs in the American church, right? Amongst oh, yeah. Protestant, Evangelical, even Baptist, amongst all these different groups. Okay, why can we not call sin sin anymore for fear of offending sinners? You, you have. The left, and there is a left now in the evangelical church, okay? Guys like Phil Vischer, co-founder of uh, VeggieTales, and I think he was the voice of Larry Boy and several other people over the, over the time that that was popular, and his crew, they have this they have this show called The Holy Post. They spend the whole time mm-hmm. criticizing. They, they would hate our guts. They would think we're just two morons from the South who shouldn't be spouting off because what we're doing is hateful and we must have we must be Trump supporters. They don't know me at all. They they equate everything with in conservative Christianity with being part of the Republican Party, and they talk about Christian nationalism as if it's somehow as if that's somehow a label you can spring on everybody who happens to be a Bible believing Christian, and yet they claim to be Bible believing Christians. But they're starting to allow this woke ideology of accepting um Dangerous and ungodly lifestyles, particularly in sexuality. Tom really hit that today, didn't he? Um, and yes. And um, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna send him a text later and ask him if I can post that message. It's such a timely message. It's for any time, but I think for today's world, I ask Phil let me post that to our uh, podcast. Um, he's given me permission in the past. Told me I could do it anytime I wanted, but I just haven't done it yet. That's a, that's a good one. Um, well, you're talking about the, the the things that are going on in the world and unwillingness to call it sin. Um, I was looking for this, and Spain's prime minister, minister, I'm sorry, 
Spain's Minister Minister of Equality, Irene Montero, children have the right to consent to sexual relations with adults. Wow. So, I mean, and if you just read, it it is just numerous amounts of things that that are going on with the transgenderism right now of of you can't do these things and you you, you just can't speak about it, you can't mention it, and it's just... You know what, Chalen? Nations like Finland, nations like Great Britain and others that have already been down this road, they've looked into it. Some of them had very liberal policies and they've come out and said no you should not you should not transition your children no one under 18 should be allowed to transition you know yeah, I, if I an agree. adult wants to you mutilate know, their self if, you know, if an adult wants to mutilate their self there's not much you can do about it but medical science shouldn't be involved in it period well i don't know if you know this or not i just happened to see this this week and it is um vanderbilt did you know vanderbilt has a wing um for um reassignment of children, safe space for transgender, the reassignment. I mean, that's Vanderbilt. Um, wow. Nashville. University Hospital now yeah. has that. I mean. Well, you've heard about. I mean, that, that is the. And then you got Boston Children's Hospital. Well, Boston Children's Hospital and everything's been in the news for the, the, the stuff they've done and said. And it's. It, no. There's no safe. There's no safe place for children anymore. It's certainly not on the internet. It's certainly not on television. It's not on the radio because they'll they'll allow vulgar, at least R-rated material on on the radio as far as subject matter and language in in the music industry. And then you can get the explicit versions on YouTube. So I mean, there's there's no safe space anymore for children. Children are being bombarded well, with sexuality at as as early age as possible, and parents are either too timid to deal with it, unaware. I don't know how they can be. Uh, Christian parents should certainly be aware of what's going on in their children's lives. And then um, they're being undermined by the school system itself and by everything, daycares and preschools and everything else. Everywhere you send your children, it's like someone is out there trying to entice them into their perversions or into their worldviews. And the only worldview that, that the, the children should be associated with is their parents' worldview. I kind of got my hands on this as we were talking about Scripture and we were talking about inerrancy of scripture and not inerrancy but just the sufficiency yes. of scripture i should say i misspoke there i want to read the first line of an article uh by kevin uh, j van hoosier the title of the article is the sufficiency of scripture a critical and constructive account it is a truth evangelically acknowledged in faith learning uh, integration discussions that all truth is god's truth the bible is god's truth too your word is truth, john seventeen seventeen. If all truth is God's truth and the and the Bible is God's truth, does it follow does it follow that all truth is in the Bible? Yeah, that's kind of that slippery slope that everybody wants to go down. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And then he, he's gonna go off on it there. But that's a slippery slope. Well, is it is it explicit or implicit? That's the argument I get tired of hearing. Well, it doesn't explicitly talk about gay marriage. Well, <laughs> Christ on numerous occasions says a marriage is between one one man and one woman. I mean, yeah. that kind of sums up that it's not between two women or two men. That's what it sums up. Right. I'm you so know, tired of hearing this argument that this argument from the speech, the, the for this argument from silence that since Jesus didn't yeah. expressly forbid yes. gay marriage, that that somehow means it's so we have no 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 definitive uh, rule against it. He spoke on marriage, and he said what marriage was. He spoke about it in the context of them trying to trick him and trap him into answers concerning uh, Jewish um, divorce. Divorce, and he was saying, "No, it was the hardness of your heart that that Moses gave an exception. God allowed him to permit you an ex- exception. Moses didn't demand that you could have a divorce. He said he permitted it because of the hardness of your heart. But it was never meant to be. It says God always des- designed well, it as one man, one woman. And he says there, and he quotes from Genesis." That's why it says, therefore, a man shall leave leave his parents and cleave unto his wife, and the two will become one flesh. Well, and furthermore, you got, you know, they'll also, if you want to go along the same lines, they'll say that Jesus never declares himself God, implicitly or explicitly. Implicitly, he says, ego a me several times in the book of John. I know several times. I am, which equates him back to the I am of the burning bush in the Midianite wilderness with Moses. He also stated, if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. Father. He said, I, mean, I and my fa- I and my father are one. How can you not? Ugh. Think he said he was God. 
I mean, but that's the argument. It doesn't implicitly say it, so we can we can argue it. So, yeah, you know, I'm tired of the I'm tired of that argument. That 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 is the the argument from silence is the best way. To, that's that's the terminology used, and and we 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 cannot say it enough. The 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 truth that we find is on his word. But not only that, it's it's on his word in context. We talked about that this morning. We talked about it at the end. He said, it's not of, of your words. And you always have preachers say this. I, I've heard them say it. I mean, you've talked about it. Well, you know, I ain't got any notes, and this is coming from God. Okay, where do I put that? Yeah. Do I put that in Revelation? Do I put that at the end of John? Because what you're telling me is you are divinely speaking, and are you the mouthpiece for God? Yeah, but you only have one job. Read the text, explain the text, and you're not a special divine divine mouthpiece. Yeah. Apostleship. You're just simply one that has been charged with the task of. Well, apostleship in the sense of the New Testament apostleship of actually being divinely sent and empowered. That's over. That's over. That was done with. That was done with the death of John. The only thing that we are are we to are are three things that Steve Lawson says: read the text, explain the text, apply the text. Absolutely. And, And then that branches off into other things. It's in context, grammatically historically, it, it, in context, I cannot pick out Jesus wept and go, Jesus wept because you had little faith. Jesus wept because you're not living the lifestyle that you want to live. I, you know what I mean? That, that's so erroneous, but that's yeah. what people do. I no, mean, that, that is how uh, many, it, many it, pastors it, preach in America. You know, they read that verse, Jesus wept. And I got seven points I see out of that verse. Really? <laughs> Hit me. Wow, this is going to be a barn burner. Yeah, hit me with that. Well, let me get my notepad. Let yeah. me get my notepad ready. He, he's about ready to drop some I don't knowledge. Need a pen because I'm not going to write. I just need my notepad to look like I'm doing something, not my pen because I'm not going to write anything down. <laughs> be like, the preacher comes in and goes, I'm about to drop some knowledge on you, fellas. <laughs> you uh, can disagree with me, but you'll be wrong. Woo! <laughs> I'm sorry, did that come out? Yeah, it did. I'm sorry um, to come out. Did that, so, so I'm sorry. Did that? I thought that was internal. Was that not internal? I thought that was internal. Was that not an internal? That was internal. internal that was internal up? monologue that got external somehow. A microphone picked it up inside your brain. Uh, wow, so 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 um, somehow as usual, we totally lost the target today. Um, the uh, the topic. You know, if we'd I don't reco- know what the target was. I don't remember if the to- if. Two weeks ago, if we'd have recorded when when Sorry, we were, we have a target. Well, two weeks ago we had this planned, and and that was going. To, I think that would have been a good episode because it was everything was fresh on my mind, and I was hyper about it. Two weeks have passed, and it, sadly, that's the way my brain works. Everything well, I've, I've done other things you know since then. It was, it was that was to deal with the uh, Jared Longshore's com, uh, comment about. Transgenderism has crept in because of credo baptism. That's it. Thank you. And, uh, and that honestly has, I will say, ran its course because I think he's kind of cleared up what he was meaning. I don't think he cleared it up accurately, I mean, very well, but he did. No, as James White said, he, he really shouldn't have said it, especially not the way he did, because he he, he should have well, known that he was opening up a big can of worms. For those of you who may not know, uh, Jared Longshore was formerly with. Um, uh, sword in the trowel. The sword in the trowel. Tom Askell. Tom, Tom Askell's Askel. ministry. Uh, and so that's... Um, and he left because of his change in views of baptism to pedo-baptism versus cor- credo-baptism. Correct. Correct. He said he thought true, true New Testament covenantal theology would lead him towards basically being the same as Presbyterians. And, and, uh, and look, I admired him for stepping back and going to Doug Wilson, he went to, out there to Moscow. I admired him for that. I mean, well, sure, you got to think he's about still it. A brother, he's still a brother and sister in Christ. Where he was from before, he was literally Southern Baptist, and um, Askell yeah. still is because Askell actually was nominated for um, to, to 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 run as president of the SBC, and of course he lost. That's Founders Ministries, correct? Yes. Yeah, he was. So so so. What was it I called him the other day? I called him Jared Longfellow. <laughs> Like the poet William Wordsworth Longfellow. You kept going. You kept going. You kept going. Are we going to talk about Jarrett Longfellow? And I'm like, who? And I said, Jarrett Long. I think it. Well, I'm now I'm second guessing whether it's Longshore. I'll be back. Stay tuned for a message from our 
Well, at one point I said longshoreman, the longshoreman and all that. And I was like, so I think it is longshore. Yeah, it's, I should know I'm subscribed to his YouTube channel. It got me so incensed I wanted to listen to some of his stuff. And the fact was, I actually listened to some of his stuff. I was like, yeah, I can agree with you on that. I can agree with you on that. I can agree with you on that. So it's not that I'm, I'm not calling him out or calling him anathema. I'm not, I'm not saying that he's a heretic. I just think he, he spoke poorly. Um, because what he said was, and he said it on um, Cross Politic Podcast, he told them, and they tried to give him an out. And in the after, sort of the after show, that's for the exclusives, uh, for the members, and he he doubled down on it. And then that part got out as well and got, got captured and, and leaked on the internet. And he says, no, I'm explicitly saying it. I think Baptist theology... And its emphasis on individualism, quote, coming to Christ, accepting Christ as Savior, has led to trans the transgender revolution here in America today and in the West. James White was like, okay, so there may be a strong Arminianist streak in many Southern Baptist churches and many other Baptist churches that are not Southern Baptists. Uh, there are plenty of Baptists out there that aren't Southern Baptists. That does not mean they're to blame for um, the idea of individualism and the idea of of um, independent congregationalism, the idea of even full-on Arminianism, full, full-blown, whosoever will may come, taking that to the extreme and saying, you choose God, and you can choose him anytime you want throughout your life. Uh, even the idea of easy believism and, and the idea of even that you can lose your salvation and come back to it later— uh, the scripture makes it clear if you could lose your salvation, you'd, you'd be double damned and you'd never come back. Um, so the, th- the facts, and that's just scripture. I didn't make that up. So the, 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 the facts are that Baptist theology still would not be to blame for what the world has done. You don't put the onus on the church for what sinners do because sinners are sinners. So sinners going to sin, right? Hate is going to hate. Yeah, we're all, we, we, we're all born that way, right? <laughs> now we're starting to quote pop culture hey man i'm going to tell you something and this has nothing to do with the uh, price the price of wheat in the ukraine right now but i will tell you this uh earlier today while while waiting on you to give me the text give me the all clear that we were going to record um i was looking at some youtube stuff i was looking at some music and i saw um uh, an acoustic recording of an of a song from the early part of this century like 2001 2002 called the mid the song was called the middle by jimmy eat world pop pop punk band uh from that era and they had uh recently recorded a new song and it was <laughs> we are never ever ever getting back together it was a taylor swift song from about five years ago and they made it rock i liked it I can't stand Taylor Swift, still, by the way. But uh, still, Jimmy Eat World, man, they, they rocked it up. It's good. I'm starting to feel the. I still like the aging rocker songs of Tim Hawkins. Tim Hawkins. I'm going to put on my orthopedic shoes instead of my yeah. boogie shoes. Yeah. Yeah. And Rogaine instead of cocaine. By, uh, your hairlines. Your hairlines in decline. <laughs> Co- yeah, Rogaine. What what, what, the, the, the orthopedic shoes was probably my. Oh, yeah, I like that one. But well, um, anyway, wow, we have ventured way off course again here. Yeah, so so the, the, so then you have you have Jared uh, Longshore. Is that is right? Correct? It is Longshore, by the way. Okay. I did I did confirm it. All right, so so I thought it was right, but then I started second guessing. So the Longshoreman for Christ did do this, and he did say all that, right? Well, he put out a short video, and I watched it. It's about fifteen minutes long, where he tried to clarify it, and I understand that. Then James White went on cross politics. And they got along great. I'm going to tell you, they did. They got along great. Um, but it, it caused me to do some serious thinking about all these other issues going on, like James White getting beat on by his own people, the, the Reformed Baptists over, over Thomism. And then I got to thinking about John Cooper and several other people whose names I will not remember. So I, I don't, and I don't want to leave somebody out. So let's just say a whole lot of other people getting picked on by left-leaning Christians. And I got to thinking about all this, and I was like, where's the unity, and where can we even find unity? Because, like James White said, it, it appears that we're starting to get into a splitting hairs, um, legalistic point of view on things to where I can't be your friend. I can't even consider you a true brother if you're not 100% in sync with me. How can we even 
operate as the body of Christ on earth if we're going to behave that way towards each other. So that's got to stop. And I don't, but I'm asking, and I'm, and I'm really just asking this, if you think you know, how do you speak to someone like that? If you, if you come in contact with somebody who's like that, and they're very, they're, they're, they're downgrading your, your church or your denomination or your relief, and then they tell you, I'm a Christian, and here's all the things I believe, and you go, I believe that, I believe that, I believe that. I can't really agree with you on that, so why, but, but I don't dislike you or disown you from the body for that. Why are you telling me that I'm so wrong that we can't be friends? Honestly, Roy, we have uh, me more than you. I'm more in the thrust into the local sphere of things here. Sure. We're ostracized at where we're at. I mean, we deal with it every day because we believe in a reform. So we believe in a reform view of the sovereignty of God. We, we have it all the time. They just think we're heretics in the way we believe right now. I mean, so it happens in different modes. Yeah. You know, and each mode is different. I mean, how do I, how do I deal with somebody that sits in the church that they believe it's okay to be a homosexual, but yet they call themselves a Christian? How do I deal with somebody that believes it's okay to to uh, vote for someone who is okay with the abortion of babies up until birth or just after birth, and they sit in the congregation with you, but yet they quote unquote they're a Christian? Right. H- how do I? How do I? How how do I weave together those things uh, we talk to them? And I, I think your truth has to be rooted in Scripture, and I think you do handle it in love, and, but you do, do not shy away from the truth at the same time. Because let's deal with the first one. The first one is transgenderism. That is a sin. That is a rebellion against God. That is rebellion against the very creation of God. He created two genders, male and female. Amen. And if I'm going to rebel, I'm going to rebel against those two things. And if I rebel against God, then I am not in obedience to God. Therefore, there is the sin of rebellion against God. That has to be dealt with. And if you can live as Christians and we look at your fruit, we have to then question your salvific experience. Secondly, somebody has abortion or not has abortion. Somebody is okay with it. You know, that's their right. That's their view. I understand that to a certain extent, but yet I don't understand it in a very big extent. I don't understand it as if we're not going to be the ones as Christians who stand up for the right to, the, to life. And I mean, now that Roe v. Wade, Roe v. Wade was not codified, that if we're not the ones adopting, we're not the ones doing things, then we didn't do our part for all the years that we complained about trying to get this undone as the law of the land, per se. I agree with that totally and as well. So, there is different modes to handle every conversation is what I'm getting at. from the Armenian to the Calvinist view to the view of, but there, there's different modes to handle everyone. I, I hope I answered your question there. Yes. I mean, you did, I guess my, my thinking is, and those are some serious issues you're talking about with there, because there you, you do have some issues. You have, you do, you do wind up wondering about sometimes about people when they can't see well, certain people are friends. Yeah. And you can't see certain issues clear, clearly enough that, that you know that you feel in your heart and you think scripture supports it, that there's no reason not to agree. Let's say my views on abortion, I think are absolutely, I do absolutely think they're right, but I have known people that are a little more wishy washy about it, like you said. And, and, sure. and, they, and they think, well, but, but, but should we, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I just sometimes don't know how to s- deal with it other than just to tell them, well, if if God knew you in the womb, and if He's the one that formed you in your mother's womb, and David said that He is, and that we we both agree that that's Scripture, correct? And that person says yes. Then how can you reject that child and not think that that child is a living, heart beating, growing, breathing creature that belongs to God? It doesn't even belong to you. You don't have the right. It's not a clump of cells growing somewhere. This is not like a cancerous tumor. This is a human being. Absolutely. And I feel like sometimes that's why we're seeing the judgment on the West so much is, is, is for, for issues like that. But that's another top, topic. Um, I do believe God wants us to have unity. But we, like you said, but we don't have unity at the, at the expense of truth, revealed truth. We, we do have to hold to certain doctrines, hold to certain beliefs. And you have a right to hold to your own conscience. And if that conscience is not clear cleared by being say in congregations in congregations where where you don't feel like the, the majority of the people agree with you then you'd be better off to find another congregation 
Uh, I'm not all about ch- church hopping by any means, but I do think sometimes there is a there is a there is a system in which you can find yourself a better place with people who have this, who have, who have like mind, and I think you'll be more comfortable, and I think you'll be happier. Sometimes God chooses to leave us in places where we're not comfortable, and He leaves us there sometimes for years, but um, we just work through it. Um, I don't know that we solved anything because we can't; only God can, and his people have to submit to him and follow his will, seek his will, pray for it, and then follow it. Uh, but you're going to find that his will is pretty well laid out in Scripture. I think that's one thing we can determine from this conversation today is that uh, everything you really need to know and to grow in Christ, that sufficiency is found in Scripture. And and so anyone who comes and tries to teach you another gospel or tries to teach you something that doesn't seem to jive with what you're seeing in the in the printed Written word of God, reject it. At least question it. Absolutely. If you're doubting something and questioning something, you need to seek something. You need to seek. Get in the word. You need to seek good counsel from someone that maybe has been a Christian longer than you or is, is better at knowing how to find those things out in Scripture. I agree. And on that note, we need to sign out. Okay. Thank you very much, Jalen. All right, man. Have God bless. We wish you we wish you guys the best and God bless. All righty. All right. On that note, uh, Taylor had to get off. Uh, had a little family thing, a little emergency there at the house. So I will sign us out. Um, as he as he was saying, you know, and as I was saying in my closing remarks, there's no quick fix to any of this externally, um, or internally. I mean, um, except you do everything you can in submission to the Lord and to the authority that's over you that has been given to you in your local church by the Lord. Because it's a blessing to you. But that being said, again, don't violate conscience and don't violate the law of Scripture to please other men and to follow a trend or to be politically correct or any of those matters. So until next time, we love you. Praying for you and you pray for us in this ministry as well. God bless you. You were listening to The Dumb Will Speak, a podcast in which we seek to honor the truth as revealed in God's Word. Visit us online at www.dumbspeak.com. Send us an email with comments, suggestions, or questions at dumbspeak at gmail.com. That's dumbspeak at gmail.com.